Welcome to the Race Car Junkies podcast with your host, Peter Jones. Join us every Wednesday as we dive into all things road racing, building, and beyond. And now, here's your host, Peter Jones. Hello and welcome to Race Car Junkies. This is Peter, and I'm here with Casey Mayshore this evening. I want to address the elephant in the room real quick. Last week was not fantastic. That was our first week out of the gate. First time with any of the software sort of promised everybody that this would be up. So we made sure that uh, we got it up. Lauren helped me dearly last week and helped patch this together. I've spent the better part of Tuesday sitting here trying to figure this out. But despite all of that, I have to tell you, we had rave reviews last week. Uh, this is going to be the number one podcast, and I'm a brilliant podcaster, according to my mom. So that's what's important to me. So, anyway, as I said, we have Casey Mayshore here. As uh, some of you may know, and a lot of you probably don't, Casey Mayshore is the local NorCal hot shoe in the Specky 46 community. I know I first met Casey, uh, what were you, Casey, about six inches off my door going through turn two. Uh, yes, I was just, you know, coming in trying to, to greet my fellow racers the, the proper way through the second turn of what I think Sonoma or Thunder Hill. We were up at Sonoma. That's, that's nope. why it was so memorable to me. So those of you, the, you that, uh, have not had the privilege of running Sonoma, Sonoma is, uh, a pretty fast, scary go through turn one flat. It's a, it's a courage corner and you head up to a blind right hander up in turn two. And there's room enough for two cars that know what they're doing side by side. And Casey was on the outside. I was on the inside of the corner. And I think I went up around the corner thinking that boy with that big orange uh, orange R on the side of his car is going to lift. He's got to lift. He's got to let me through the corner. And uh, I don't recall that happening. Not at all. Right. Yeah. I mean, we hadn't talked beforehand, right? I believe that was before we uh, got a chance to meet. Absolutely. I, I didn't know if you were a guy, a girl, a 100-year-old man, or a 12-year-old boy. I had no idea who you were. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the orange R is, is the rookie status, and you'd expect that car to be uh, new, newer to racing, maybe uh, maybe unexperienced, as I, as I was, uh, kind of, but... Um, no, I actually had some previous racing experience before before that uh, encounter I had with you, Pete. Yeah, it, it seemed pretty clear in the moment that you were not necessarily new to racing. You were just new to us and, a, and an unfamiliar car on course that I thought I would have the upper hand on. And I quickly figured out that that was not the case. So that was what? That was back in uh, 2020? Is that when you joined us? That was. Yeah, that was our first year uh, joining the E46 group with NASA. We had a lot of fun. We unfortunately ditched you uh, and went down to Buttonwillow in October for the California Cup, which is the big crossover event that we've tried to have the last few years. SoCal's got their their crossover. NorCal has theirs. That's the Southern California NASA Specky 46 community uh, puts on the California Cup. I believe Peter Anepo is the one that kicked that off. And you were so new to us that we literally didn't have any contact information or any way to tell you that, hey, we're not coming next weekend. And uh, I think you managed to show up, get first both days on a double points weekend. 
Well, being that I was the only car in my class at that racetrack, yes, I was able to hold down the first position through those races. Don't sell yourself short. That had to have been very difficult. <laughs> I mean, you had to hold you had to hold first place flag to flag, my friend. Yeah, it was 30 minutes of sprint racing. And, 30, um, that's right. That's right. And, and we had no idea that you guys were going down there. Obviously, we would have uh, we would have loved to join you, but we were so new. And, and before we got to meet the great group that is Specky 46, you know, we were kind of uh, very green. Yeah, that's all good. I mean, it would have it would have been a blast to have you down there. It was just good to see that you guys had joined the community. It was good to catch back up with you um, when we figured out that you were you were hanging around and that you were actually local. I don't know. I don't know that anybody really did a great job of of wrangling you guys in that weekend i i know that i extended an olive branch but i probably didn't do as much as i i should have in making sure that we got you on the email list we got you in the chat groups you knew that we were heading down in october or that that was a thing that was important to us um but we were super glad to see that you you finished out the season with us in 2020 and that you came back in 2021 but that uh, 2020 double points weekend, not to harp on that, but did that help you lock down that 2020 NASA regional, NorCal regional championship? I, I think that was uh, one of the key factors. That may have been. If not the, if not the most important <laughs> one. Uh, we, we didn't know that how to even look at the points back then we didn't know how scoring worked or you know we were just showing up to get those eight races to get the orange R off of the car. Yeah, and you did that. You did that in short order, so that was uh, that was very cool. Back so coming back into 2021, then uh, that was your first go at a season from the beginning. I believe that we spent the NorCal. So again, those that are not familiar with the NASA structure itself, uh, their regional championships. California being as large of a state as it is, is broken up into two regions. There's the NASA Southern California region, which basically cuts off in at Buttonwillow, which is about Bakersfield, California, for those wanting a roundabout area, middle of nowhereville. Uh, and then the Northern California region is the uh, Laguna Seca, when we're lucky enough, Sonoma Raceway, um, the uh, Thunder Hill Raceway, and occasionally, uh, as mentioned earlier, we'll have a crossover event that'll take us back down to Buttonwillow. But uh, for the most part, uh, we try and set it up so that the NASA SoCal region and NorCal region races are not on the same weekend. That way we can uh, pick and choose where we're going and where we're racing and who we're racing with and catch all of the races if we can. And I think 21, 2021 was one of those years where there weren't a ton of overlaps and we were able to do a lot of crossover. I, I personally recall spending a lot of time in Southern California as well as a lot of time in Northern California, much more than we did in 2022. And I'm, I recall seeing the Mayshores down there quite a bit, reaping havoc on the Southern California Specky 46 racers. Yeah, 22, we had we had many overlaps. I think we had, uh, I'm not sure, in total, upwards of like almost four, no. I only really recall being able to outright catch like the first two races of 2022 with Southern California. I know we went down to Willow Springs 
we may have caught a button willow race. I don't necessarily recall what the first two were, but then from there on, I think we had enough overlaps that I either couldn't go or called the Southern California season a loss for legacy in terms of any sort of points contention. Yeah, we, we followed suit with that as well. We At first, we had plans to try to make most of the races until we actually reviewed the schedule and found out it wasn't possible to kind of compete for both. That does make it difficult. This year, the, the 2023 season, I don't know that if, if it just worked out that way or if there was any sort of collaboration between the Southern California uh, directors and the Northern California directors, but it certainly has worked out to where I think in just here in the next couple of days, our, our NorCal slash SoCal overall big ball of racing kicks off down at Auto Club. So are you, the Mayshores, intending to campaign both, uh, both series, the SoCal and NorCal, if possible this year? As of right now, yeah, we, we plan to, to try to attend both NorCal and SoCal. We're getting another car together right now for this uh, the Auto Club event this weekend. It's going to just barely make it there. Uh, we're going to be finishing it up on Thursday morning as we're leaving there to get there, you know, Thursday afternoon. So uh, You know I have yeah. nothing against that, right? Having finished, you know, it's my sport to finish a car at the track and try and put it on podium. That's That's a sport to me. I think you enjoy that a little more than we do. Uh, <laughs> you, you're you're always trackside, greasy, and and solving problems, and also helping other people with their problems. Uh, we like to try to come, you know, completed for for a little mental peace and sanity. Yeah, to each his own, I suppose. But all all that matters is where you finish, I suppose. Yes, I do. I do enjoy the challenge of that. I do enjoy showing up with something that's got four wheels and no windows and then you know being able to race it that weekend that's that's fun for me and it's about all i can manage with the rest of our workload so i i pretty much don't have a choice most of the time also my accidentally selling my cars on a regular basis doesn't help my plight at all i know it's rough it's rough to to have that problem of accidentally selling your race car well, when they're perpetually for sale, they accidentally get sold, and then you accidentally need a new one. So, Do you think there's a color or something we can pick to deter customers from swiping them off your hands maybe mid-race weekend? <laughs> I, I have to tell you, I honestly thought that that green was it. I thought that that green was so boutique and so... This is a legacy car that I, I would have a hard time selling it. So uh, previously, I've wrapped all of my cars. We paint our interiors, and I generally paint the interior out the jam and then wrap the exterior of the car so it's an easy livery change at any point in time. I've changed liveries before, and to the folks that I've sold the cars to, it's an easy livery change. This last car, the green machine, uh, actually had Mayshore paint that car. They painted the jams, painted the, not the insides of the door, but, you know, backsides of the door, the whole thing, making it pretty difficult to wrap that car without wrapping the jams and making the green go away. So I was like, well, this is my car. And I felt really good about that, Casey. I honestly did. I, I, I was ecstatic when I saw that. I don't think we talked about painting into the jams, but the jams got painted and I was like, cool, locked and loaded. 
Jones has no problems for the rest of the season. He's got a ride. Turns out that color actually was enticing. Uh, Mark, uh, NorCal racer up here, has picked up the car. Car's still sitting at the shop. He's full arrive and drive experience with us. Uh, no signs that he's giving up that green color. So Jolene is sitting bare silver at the moment while I'm trying to decide what color will be a color that doesn't sell. That sounds weird. And I thought Ruby Star was it until I did a lot of asking around about the Ruby Star. And it turns out a lot of people are fans of that. So anyway, she's sitting silver at the moment. Do you have any other color uh, uh, options floating around in your head that... Well, I was thinking about uh, stealing the orange from uh, from your dad. Uh, Steve okay. Mayshaw uh, had a had a rough run in 2022. Uh, Might have kissed a couple of walls, and his bright orange car. We've decided, or at least I've decided, is uh, like the green the green machine. Literally, while at the track, would attract bumblebees. And Casey, your car is. Uh, uh, Porsche acid green, correct? That's right. Yeah. Okay. And um, it is quite the flower at the racetrack. You're always you're always coated in bees. You are co- your car attracts bees. The green machine was the the Porsche lizard green, and it's a very bright color as well, and was attracting bees on a regular basis. So much so that you had to check your helmet before climbing into the car just to be sure. And the the uh, the other Mayshore mobile, Steve's car was a fluorescent orange, uh, which was not quite as color fast, but that's a whole nother day when we're talking about paints and uh, uh, automotive finishes for race cars. But uh, I'm convinced that that car was less of a B magnet and more of a wall magnet. Uh, That car hurt your eyes to look at. The Bs, I don't think were as big of a fan as uh, as our green shades. But um, yeah, we 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 basically concluded that orange might not be the color of a race car, just on the on the luck of the season that 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 car went through. Um, yeah, I, you know, I think it's probably worth retiring the color. I I don't uh, I know that you and I had talked previously where I was hinting around, but trying uh, about trying to claim that maybe claim it from Steve, and if he wasn't going back with orange again, see if I could snag that color away because it is a. It is a very cool color. If you haven't seen the photos of our NorCal field, uh, my my wife Lauren's been trying to put together a highlighter pack, and we got real close last year to having all of the colors. The only color that we're really missing is the pink color. And if the orange doesn't come back, although the new car, your the Mayshore's new car, Cindy, she's not going to be fully dressed this weekend at uh, at Auto Club. No, she's coming out naked, but her uh, her naked. plan her plan is to be bright yellow because uh, we tend to like loud colors over here. Uh, it's good to be in somebody's mirror and be bright is better than having a black car and you might get your nose chopped off or taken down the street. Yeah, I I know somebody that resembles that remark in a, mm-hmm, in a recent mm-hmm. experience. <laughs> yeah, that. Uh, that does happen. This is true, and that's why I don't mind being a, a great big shiny color, shiny bright color out there. Uh, two schools of thought. One is the stealth approach, where you can sneak up on somebody and they don't know you're there. And the other is I'd rather just be obvious as daylight. If I'm in your mirrors, 
making you nervous. Maybe you're going to make a mistake, but you're definitely probably going to see me coming if I'm coming through. I'm hoping you're going to see me coming anyway. Exactly, exactly. So she's going to be yellow. Cindy's going to be yellow, a pretty bright shade of yellow. Uh, it's, a, it's straight toner yellow. There's not a yellower yellower on our color bench that you can make. It's it's the epitome of yellow. Usually when you mix up a color for a yellow car, there's some white, some black, maybe maybe a little bit of blue in there, automotive paint schemes go, but this is the yellow. Just the yellow. Just shot yellow in until it wouldn't take any more color. And, that's, and I guess the reason I'm saying, even though she's showing up naked this weekend, you are pot committed to that. The entire under the side of the car, engine bay, roll cage has all been painted yellow at this point. Correct. We're just short on short on time for the exterior paint. Like I said, we're 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 doing the window nets on Thursday morning and and making sure that the belts and the seat backing are in. We're not we don't have extra time this weekend. <laughs> well, all good. At least you were able to put that together. How involved were you in in this build? This so yeah so my car is a is a greenish yellow car. That car was actually built by my dad Steve and um, we were racing Lucky Dog. And I didn't even know about the Specky 46 class. And somebody had mentioned it to him and said, you know, I think it'd be a good class for, for Casey to get into. So without me knowing, he buys this car. He starts building it. I see it around the shop. And um, I, I wasn't very interested in it. And before I knew it, he had it completed. And so I didn't really get to go through the building experience of this car. Um, and then the orange car that we raced, uh, my dad's car, we bought it. It was already done. It was an old race car that we just had freshened up and painted. So this one was a build I was fully invested in. Uh, everything down to you know pulling the sound deadening off of the the bottom of the car with with a heat gun and pulling the spare wires to the DVD and HBO Max that BMWs come with <laughs> and you know all of it. Every bushing, uh, subframe bushings, motor mounts. I mean. Uh, I'm I'm full into this and you know I really learned a lot about the cars and I think that's important when you're racing these cars at least to have some kind of mechanical knowledge on how things work so when stuff fails or feels off you're able to to diagnose it there's a there's a fair amount of confidence even that comes with knowing uh, maybe uh, maybe the opposite way too knowing that like here at Legacy, when we build a car, we strip it down to the tub. I mean, it's it's down to a raw tub. I generally will leave the fuel tank in, but everything else is off the car. And when we take it to that point, your first time out on track and going 120 or 100, even 100 miles an hour. 100 miles an hour is pretty fast, no matter how you slice it. The first time you stomp on the brakes and turn into a corner, knowing that you've had every nut and bolt off of that thing <laughs> and put them all back on. Now, you're you're pretty confident that you got all of the parts back on and put them all where they were supposed to go. And you're pretty confident that you got everything torqued. But there's always a little bit of a pucker in my bottom knowing that that thing was just a bear tub here, you know, two weeks earlier. And now it's a full-blown race car that I'm trusting my my life or at least my uh my bones to right you know you're like thinking of that 34 millimeter nut that holds on the wheel bearing and if that thing just takes off on you you know we're shaking this car down on one of the fastest tracks i don't think there is another racetrack that we race on that you actually reach the top of fifth gear which is around 130 135 miles an hour 
Yeah, so taking it down to Auto Club for a shakedown. So for the listeners, Auto Club Speedway is in Southern California in Fontana. And this is the allegedly the last year. It's like the fourth last year, but I, I'm starting to believe that it probably is the last year of the full NASCAR course. We don't run the NASCAR course, but we do run a portion of the high bank. So we run, essentially we enter late onto the front straight. We run all the way down the front straight. We go into NASCAR one and NASCAR two, which are high banked corners. Our cars don't really have the the power or the aerodynamics to uh, continue to accelerate around that corner. But as Casey said, we're we're right up against the rev limiter and the limit of speed on our cars. The uh, I experience anyway. I experience the the g forces start to slow the car down, uh, which is the only thing that keeps it from bouncing off the rev limiter before you come out of NASCAR two and need to slam slam on the brakes going into what is three for the course and then jamming through the infield. Uh, if you're not familiar with the infield, it's worth looking it up. Uh, it resembles a, a male anatomical portion of the body that I'm not going to mention. I mean, this is this is not necessarily <laughs> a, a non-explicit podcast, but you can go ahead and look it up. If you if you know your way around the male anatomy, you can find your way around the infield of Auto Club. So, but uh, yeah, that'll be uh, that'll be super fun for your dad going into. Uh, Going into NASCAR one, knowing that that was a bear tub, and and his son, who's never put an entire race car together, went ahead and put that one together for him. Yeah, we built this one together, and uh, he he did the final nut and bolt, you know, for peace of mind, and to make sure that that everything's tight and torqued, and as I would do the, just the same. Well, he's a little closer um, to my age too. You do things like that when you get to our age. With age comes wisdom, right? <laughs> Something like that. Um, yeah, we're, we're just hoping that the car holds together. It's an engine that's never been braced. It's just a junkyard motor that we found, and hopefully it decides that it wants to be a race engine. You know, you never do know. Did you do anything different on this car than you've done on your previous builds, or did you basically try and uh, – I know you had a little bit of variety of components between the car that your dad built initially and the car that you purchased, so you've – and you've driven my cars, so you've been able to play around with different components and different feels. Did you did you pick the best or of what you liked, or did you just go down the line that you had done previously? Now this one was definitely more thought out. Uh, you know, uh, something so simple as the lower rear control arms that are adjustable for your camber on these cars. We had been running a set in my car all for the last, you know, two and a half years or so that they're very difficult to adjust. They come loose. This one, we found some that are adjustable down by the wheel, easy to get two wrenches on. Um, we cut more out of the car. It's lighter. Instead of um, worrying about weight as you're building the car, we, we approached it as, why don't you lighten the car up as much as humanly possible and then, you know, legally possible and add ballast to where you want it. Um, you know, you've I've bounced tons of ideas off of you all the time. I'm always texting you and calling you because I don't know what I'm doing half the time and you're you're the expert here. Uh, we Corner balancing, you, you know, we, we learned to do that from you. You talked me through it. So this car is definitely more refined. It'll be much more balanced and uh, a lower 
center of gravity, I guess, if you will, compared to the the green car. I mean, I still have the little door holder opers, the the parts of the doors that make sure it doesn't shut when you open it. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the check straps and and such like gutting the trunk. It's it's big things, small things, but they add up to to a big difference. I'm sure. Well, and you did you did some stuff to that first car that you did too that was that was cool, but maybe not and not putting the weight where you wanted it to did the the lining on the interior super durable super awesome looking but there's definitely definitely a little bit of weight there so that's yeah, cool coming and, into it we didn't yeah go ahead no it's fine so uh and then this cage uh this is a, a tc design cage Calicchio put this one together for you yeah tony does all of our cages for the cars that we that we've uh, put together you know he's he seems to have it down to a science I know that, I mean, he does a great job. He does a great job for us here at Legacy. Um, the last, I'd say, two to three, I could probably go three cars backwards with TC cages with four gallons of fuel, no driver, same seat, same harnesses. You know, I my essentially when I sell my car, I replace my car. I have things I like, my seat that I like that maybe hurts your back. I know for a fact, but it is a seat that fits me well, a seat that I like. So I'm saying it's apples to apples components, but I'm within three to four pounds on the last three builds with four gallons of fuel at 2557. So uh, 2,557 pounds, no driver. For spec E46, our minimum weight is 2,850 pounds, which anybody griping about not being able to get to weight, that allows for a 300 pound driver with four gallons of fuel. Uh, if you need to get lighter than that, I, I don't know, Casey, if you gutted your trunk lid, I don't, I haven't. And ever since I started running Calicchio cages. And in fact, I started eating ice cream again when I started eating or started running Calicchio cages, which <laughs> part of, part of my weight problem is the fact that I don't need to lose weight to get to minimum weight anymore. Yeah, they make, they do make it easy with those cars and, and having to run ballast, right? I mean, that's kind of nice that any size driver and, and anybody can really jump in and join no matter no matter what it has made it very easy for me to sell these cars I, I mean that that is very simple you know somebody walks up to me they look at me i'm 250 pounds you know two uh, almost 260 250 255 to 260 with driving gear on and i've got ballast in the in the car and i've got excess of you know 40 to 50 pounds of ballast in the car plus fuel to make weight you know so yeah i in fact the guy that i sold the green machine to is much lighter we're gonna have to add a ton of ballast we're gonna have to be pretty st strategic about where we put it because it's going to be so much ballast i'll have to spread it out in the car just to get him to minimum weight so it is it is a great um a great cage to start from uh, and work your way forward from there because I, you, you literally can plunk anybody in at any point in time and make weight. It's also, it's also nice. Uh, I don't know if you know where most of my cars have gone, but not all of my cars have gone right straight back into the Specky 46 community. They're so versatile and I run so much endurance in our cars that some of the cars have gone, uh, just straight to endurance racing as well, where the the weight restrictions are a little bit different because it's based upon classing. And so the, 
the car being light is uh, a natural benefit to them and being able to land there. You had mentioned yeah. earlier uh, that we, when we were talking about our our little uh, our, our little near handshake at the top of turn two at Sonoma the first weekend out that that was not your first weekend on track and not your first weekend in a car. Uh, we we came to find out later that uh, Casey had quite a few years under his belt with his family uh, running. Uh, was it, you started in lemons and then moved into lucky dog, but it was lemons that got you going, right? Right. Yeah. So, uh, bef- I turned 16, the probably two months after I got my driver's license, uh, my uncle and my dad decided that they wanted to race in this race called lemons. And it sounds funny if you don't know what it is and it doesn't really make much sense, but what it is, is a bunch of old crappy cars and people that have never been on a racetrack before and, and too many cars at that. Um, there's there's a very high attendance numbers and they said you know we're going racing so we built a 92 525i it's a bmw it's a four-door it's a boat uh it had a steering box with an open rear end we didn't know how to build a race car or what it even took to have a performance car um basically just lowered it put a roll cage in it and gutted it you know and and we started racing there and maybe six or 10 races. I mean, over the years we were, you know, getting used to it, doing well, kind of restricted by, um, how many cars and the level of drivers, a lot of chaos in the track. You know, it's, it's basically racing around a racetrack, uh, with traffic all the time. You're always either being passed or passing. So we heard about lucky dog, which is ran by Kathy fuss and with her husband, Greg, um, it's it's kind of the same concept. It's endurance racing. It's racing seven hours and and eight hours, like Saturday and Sunday, and it's uh, fifty cars instead of a hundred and fifty cars. And there's a you know they're a little bit quicker. So we we raced there for a few years um, with the same ninety two BMW that ended up getting an, an S52. We upgraded it and we found out that a limited slip helps you get off the corners <laughs> and you're not just doing one wheel burnouts when you're trying to leave. You know, we found out that you can put bigger brakes on them and, and it's not a spec class. There's all kinds of cars out there. Uh, but that's really where I got most of my driving experience. It was driving against faster cars and, you know, being able to dodge the slower cars. And that's kind of how we got started and really uh dug into racing and kind of fell in love with it we we got hooked after that and then we found the specky 46 group and previously i said that you know pops built the car and and i didn't know anything of it but this is just kind of it's sprint racing now it's 30 minutes of of driving 110 percent rather than you know driving 70 percent trying to keep the car alive for your other drivers and and that's kind of it's kind of how we wound up where we are. I, I've got you know my girlfriend Shelby and my best friend Seth who go to every single race that I compete in, and and my dad he's always there supporting us, and you know couldn't have been doing it without him. It's kind of just uh, it's how we wound up where we where we are now. No, and you guys are I mean super great people and and a lot of a lot of fun to be around. Uh, you know Lauren and I really try and make sure that we're all friends off the track at the very least. We're, we're all there as competitors to one degree or another. There are some that are competitive, but 
no, no, after you kind of competitive and that there are others that, you know, there's a, there's an absolutely no lift, no yield mentality. I'm here to win. I'm not here to get second place. And, but what we want more than anything is that when we all get off the track, we exit the track, we're all still friends. And, and it is nice, really nice having the, the Mayshore group join us. Uh, Seth is wonderful. Shelby is wonderful. Your dad, Steve is amazing. Uh, you know, uncle Wayne is, uh, an awesome dude. I wished that he would jump in with us and play with us. Uh, you know, I, we all know Tom, my dad, and he's, he's at the track. Unfortunately, he's, he's crashed and broken too many of my cars at this point that he <laughs> doesn't want to crash or break any more of my cars. So he's on he's on car maintenance and uh, social duty, keeping everybody keeping everybody lubricated uh, in the evenings and 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 uh, moving moving on track. But no, it's uh, I think more than more than anything, the level of competition that that you and some of the other folks have have brought to the field has been super fun for guys like me that. Uh, you know, my my hundred and ten percent is ten percent more than I can give. It just I I I can't get there. I have we've you Casey, you and I have had conversations previously about the thoughts that'll bounce around in the back of your head once you have a couple of uh, kids that are that are in college and getting married and that sort of stuff. And it's those couple of little milliseconds here and there that that keep me from staying up front with the likes of you and Jared and uh, Lucas for that matter. And, and, uh, but it makes it so fun to watch. Like I, I'm close enough to watch you guys have a good time. Yeah. And I mean the, the group, I mean, most of the group is, we're friendly. We can, you know, if someone has a question about a turn or, or a technique on how to get through a section of the track, it, I, it's, so open and everyone loves to share their information and loves to help and you were our first introduction to that when I first started talking to you you know I was I was brand new I didn't even know where to weigh the car or that I even had to weigh the car after a qualifying session I didn't I didn't know anything and and you guys took us right under your wing you know and that's kind of the mentality of this group is no one's leaving here with uh enough money to to pay the rent no one's winning money doing this racing you're you're gonna definitely it's a cost no matter how well you do it can be a little bit better than not but what it is is we're all here trying to have a good time and there's there's nobody out here trying to to kill you for that you know paycheck or something that's that's true and i do appreciate that about our our racing as much as guys are competitive and, and incidents do happen and uh that is the unfortunate side of it but we all know showing up that there's a risk of damage and or injury. Uh, we, it, we'd be completely naive if we thought we could all jump into high performance machines and zip zam zoom around a racetrack just because there's no stoplights and stop signs or cars going in opposite direction doesn't mean that there's not an opportunity for air or to have somebody that has a, a different plan than the plan that you have going into a corner. But at the end of the day, uh, given the possibilities that exist in terms of damage, I think that the, it, it's pretty pretty minimal uh, within the NASA organization. I've I've experienced several other organizations. I run throughout the year with other organizations, uh, 
Uh, some are slightly better, but only because they're more strict in terms of on-track behavior and contact. Uh, and others are far looser. Uh, and I'll tell you, man, stuff happens and happens like crazy uh, and to a big, big level of cost. And you're right. Nobody, even at that level, nobody's walking away with a nickel from the weekend. They all spent money to be there. And uh, it's it's sad to see. But again, it's um, it's part of how we all decide to spend our time when we're not working. Yeah. I mean, you can't be competitive and, and I mean, you can't race and not be competitive. You know, there's, there's the sense of wanting to be faster than that other guy. And that's why you're in here in this car, trying to throw this car around the, around the track faster than they can. And that's, but, but if you can keep it kind of cordial and, and, and like we do, it's it's fun. It's fun to talk to everybody, come in from the end of the race, have a barbecue. You know, Legacy always feeds everybody and wants to help everyone. And, and it's like, it's it's relaxing at the end. And we're all friends, like you said. Um, I just think that it's a good place to, good place to start. Yeah. And I mean, and again, to recap, you've done very well in this. NASA... Uh, NASA is a, a, a national organization. Unfortunately, uh, this last year, so NASA Nationals is hosted at a different track every year. Uh, sometimes it's on the East Coast. Sometimes it's on the West Coast. It's been uh, in the middle of the country in Texas at uh, Circuit of the Americas. And this last year, uh, it was actually close to home for us. So it was at Laguna Seca, which is uh, in the Monterey Bay Peninsula. Uh, it's a historic track. I think that NASA as an organization thought that it would draw more racers from the East Coast than it did. It drew very few racers from the East Coast. Understandably so. The same reason that the the Legacy crew, and uh, not to speak for the Mayshores, but I think the trip out to Daytona was too far a bridge too far for us for sure last year or in 2021 we weren't we weren't willing to travel that distance just to run uh daytona and i think that a lot of people from the east coast sort of figured the same thing so we we didn't get an opportunity to run against some of the other regions too far but uh casey you managed to lock down the uh 2022 nasa NorCal Regional Championship, as well as be the overall uh, winner of the Specky 46 Championship race at, at Laguna. Yeah, and I mean we were we were lucky to have the race show up in our backyard. Like you said, Daytona. That's it's quite the haul, you know. It's a it's a very fall distance to go to to compete for a couple sprint races and stay out there just for a few days. Um, Laguna was a yep. great track. I mean, the race was brutal with how much rain came down. The the conditions were a little bit um, unpredictable, you know. You're talking about the Laguna Seca National Championships in September, right? Yes, yes. yeah. First uh, first real rain experience for you, wasn't it? It was. You know, um, I didn't really know what to expect at all. <laughs> <laughs> No one, no one preps you for these kinds of things. And when you're out there and you're, and you're just hundred percent focused on trying to keep the car on the black stuff, uh, it's, it's tough. 
So we went into we went into the championships weekend with uh, essentially blue skies. Uh, it is the Monterey Bay Peninsula, so we're talking the middle of California. It's coast coastline, coastal community. That time of year, fog is not uncommon. A sprinkle is pretty uncommon, actually. We generally will get some fog in the morning, and then it'll burn off uh, in the afternoon. It'll just be beautiful, especially in September. Uh, as the NASA Champs weekend is a little bit longer than a regular sprint weekend, as we started the weekend out, everything was pretty cool and okay and going to look like it was fine. There was a little bit of rain in the forecast, but that time of year, some rain in the forecast is not unheard of. What ended up being a super duper bummer was that it was dry and overcast while the cars were gritting up. I think it was on your pace lap or def on the pace lap or the out lap is when the rain actually started to fall. Actually, it held off for a little bit longer. We got to start the race in a complete dry track, okay. which is what we had all been practicing before then, is driving on a dry racetrack. Uh, halfway through the first lap after the green flag flew uh, is when it started sprinkling, and um, it just turned slippery within a matter of, a minute or two it, it turned into driving on ice on the line of course yeah yeah and it never stopped raining throughout the duration of the race i i wasn't racing this year i was actually the the uh series leader so i got to sit back and watch everybody and it was it was very cool to to watch and experience there were some that some such as yourself that it took a couple of laps but you figured it out and there were some others that right up until the very last corner they still hadn't figured it out they were they were applying the throttle and applying the brakes the same way they would on a dry track and you know from from the the media center where i was watching up there it was really easy to see who had figured out that they needed to be offline and feather the throttle on and where they could break and where they could not break but it was uh it made it absolutely leveled the playing field and added one little extra degree of uh, who is the true champion here? Who can who can figure this out the quickest and get to the finish line first? And that happened to be you, which was which was pretty cool. It was awesome to see. I actually was not the first to figure that out. Uh, the first person to figure out how to drive that track was uh, Jared from JDZ. See, I had a pretty a healthy lead of a you know maybe a couple of seconds for the first few laps but as the rain continued to fall he somehow magically figured out that you don't drive on the race car line you drive around the outsides of the turns and in the, the spots that the rubber doesn't lie um he caught all the way up to me and passed me and <laughs> after following him for about a half of a lap i i said oh that's how you do it and uh, and then I was able to you know learn from him. That's those changing road conditions. You know you'd come around to turn one lap and have have a little grip here, and then you come around the next lap and it's absolute almost ice. So it was a it was a very good challenge of of a, as a driver to try to keep control of of these cars. Yeah, well I know that you and I both just uh, experienced the same thing in the exact same car in the exact same race. We ran the 25 hour together. You, you had a seat in our car this year. You actually opened the race. There's some pretty good video of you having zero visibility because our defroster was not keeping up with its duty. Uh, oh boy. <laughs> and you had, so you had the, you had the wet and the no viz. 
I got to get in at midnight uh, to a dry line on the racetrack, not a dry racetrack, but a dry line on the racetrack. And I, I think I got 20, maybe 25 minutes of that before it started raining on me. And I, I saw the drops coming. I knew it was coming. I thought I was prepared and I was, I was not prepared. You, you guys had spent so much time on the track that day in the rain going off, dragging mud back on, uh, that what I thought I needed to do, which was what you were just explaining about, you know, getting off the racing line, the hundred percent, what you just said, one lap to the next, I knew where I wanted to be and I'd go there and I'd find two muddy tracks of somebody who had just gone off coming back on the track. And now that's not where I want to be at all. And I'm, <laughs> I'm a whole car width closer to the edge of the track than I would have been on a regular dry line weekend. And, uh, I, I aged six to seven years in my three hour stint in that car. I was not comfortable, did not enjoy that whatsoever. So good for you. Yeah. You figured it out. Yeah, it takes a certain kind of person to get comfortable driving like that, and I, I've yet to meet the one, but it's uh, it's quite nerve-wracking to be in the car for, you know, a full double stint, uh, uh, get in and then a one-stop for fuel and back out. It's It takes a lot of focus, and, you know, you're real drained by the time you get out of that car. You've, you've been using up every bit of trying to feel what the car's doing via the seat, the steering wheel, you're sweating. I mean, the, the window's fogging up. It's, it, it was real experience that we got to have this year. Well, I'm glad it wasn't just me then. Cause I, I really felt like I was the guy that was letting everybody down in that, that I, I was the guy that was uncomfortable. It's good to know that even the likes of you had a little bit of discomfort in that moment. <laughs> you figured it out. Uh, you know, you were still uh, running a, a quicker pace than I was, but again, I think that just comes back to your your raw talent over my talent, your willingness over my willingness. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was not fun. It's not something that I enjoyed doing. Uh, it was not the ideal <laughs> condition. Uh, but every team suffered the same thing this year in the twenty five hour. Um, anybody that was on track at any point during the race had the exact same circumstances on the track, you know, which is separate from uh, the conversation that we were just having about champs. Champs was broken up. There were 40 minute races, uh, 40 minutes, you know, five minute buffer between races. Somebody else comes back on the uh, class that ran two classes after us. And, you know, the class right before us, they all had dry races at champs. You know, the 25 hour, at least every single car that was on track, every team that was on track was battling the same conditions, the same, same fogging issues. I have friends in other cars that, that went through the same experience that, that we went through. They weren't as creative as we were with the solution. They were just tossed a rag and told to smack the windshield. And the, the legacy crew actually devised the, uh, the stick that you could reach up, but was also smacking you in the head with, uh, you know, as you're going around corners, but yeah, man, uh, the 25 is probably, a, a, a you know, a whole hour in and of itself. Yeah, absolutely. So for 2023, we touched on a little bit case, uh, sounds like you've got your car dialed and ready to load in the trailer, uh, or, or it will be shortly. And then you've got your dad's car will be ready to load in the trailer for this weekend. And if anybody's looking to to see Casey Mayshore 
uh, work his way to a double regional championship and covering both bases in California. Uh, this would be the first weekend to see you down at Auto Club in Fontana, uh, the June 14th week, or I'm sorry, January 14th weekend. Yeah, we're expecting a little bit of rain this weekend. Maybe just a little sprinkle. Let's hope it's not a uh, a, a recap of what the 25 was. Well, you just got several hours of experience with that, so I think that you can manage the 40-minute race that the uh, SoCal Series is putting on. I'm, uh, I might have to recreate the old legacy uh, towel on a stick I may... and tie it to the roll cage. <laughs> She's hanging up in the shop, and I'd be happy to happy to loan her to you. <laughs> I might I might have to take you up on that. No, yeah, I. I did not disassemble it. I figured that there was something patentable about that, so we just we set it set it to the side and took some measurements and made sure that you know we've ordered some some materials so that we can build some more. Create them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we're gonna have to tighten up that bungee cord though. Getting smacked in the face was a whole another. Uh, <laughs> whole nother take on frustration while trying to keep a car straight well somebody said we've got to tether it and it's because we didn't want it getting lost on the floor and that made sense and i happen to have that bungee cord the mm -hmm. uh the surgical tubing uh and i said well we can tie that and we can tie it tie it to the roll cage and i wasn't sure exactly i i was the guy that actually reached in and tied it to the roll cage and i wasn't sure how much to give you my thought was that if you needed it, you could hit the brakes and it would swing forward and then you could grab it and then you could wipe the windshield. Oh, it was swinging. Yeah, I know. I, in the in-car video, I, I saw that it was a little more than asking for it. It was basically, <laughs> <laughs> it was basically presented to you frequently. Oh and, yeah, and it was right showing in the up visor. under my arm. Yeah. yeah, right in the elbow. Uh, you're trying to reach for the shifter, and you reach through the surgical tube. It, it was great, but you know that's just that's how you learn things, and that's how you make the uh, the windshield wiper 2.0 for the next time. That's it exactly. It was still better than not having it there. And then I think I don't know who it was. If it was during your stint or after your stint, somebody figured out that we could stow it behind the seat between the the roll bar and the seat. And you could still reach back and grab it if you need it, but it was at least stowed. So by the time I got in the car in the middle of the night, it had been stowed. So I was appreciative of that. Yeah, I figured that out with sheer frustration. I actually tried to throw it out the passenger window, and it stuck behind the seat. <laughs> good to know, Casey. That's good. We, we, we didn't have enough materials to make another one, so that would have been a bummer. Well, Case, I don't want to take any more of your time. I appreciate you uh, coming in this evening and chatting with us. Uh, we look forward to seeing what you can pull off in 2023 in the Specky 46 community. Are you going to do any other racing outside of that? Um, I hope I hope to fall into some racing. I'd like to I'd like to do more this year than I than I've done in the past. But um, yeah, thanks for having me on, and it's it's nice that you guys got a podcast. I think you have a lot of valuable information and some good content to share with the world and pete jones needs his his outlet to speak his mind oh boy well i appreciate all of that like i said casey thanks for coming on i want to thank everybody for listening this evening and we'll catch you next week thanks for listening to the race car junkies podcast tune in every wednesday for new episodes this episode is brought to you by Leap Consulting Solutions and Legacy Motorworks.